0: Song of Solomon, yeah, we'll start a chapter, or actually Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Excuse me. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse, verse 1. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1. So let me let me let me explain what we have going on, with the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, of course, is a, a song that Solomon wrote towards one of his brides. It's a love song. It's, it's a love letter to one of his brides. And it gets very uh, gets, he's very detailed about how he loves her and how he, he loves everything about her. And uh, it's, it's a love letter. It's one of those things where we've wrote love letters maybe back and forth to, each, to one of our loved ones back when we were courting or dating. Y'all remember back that far ago? But if you do, you remember that there's some of those letters you don't want somebody to find. That's just between you and your love. And that's it. So what we have going on here is Solomon represents Jesus Christ. This is a great type of the love of Jesus Christ for his bride. Which is which is represented by the maiden here. So as you're reading through the Song of Solomon, and there's eight chapters in the Song of Solomon. It's not very long. The problem with the Song of Solomon that a lot of people have, and I do too, it takes you a while to study it out. Is it's hard to tell who's talking when, because it'll switch right in the middle of the verse. You'll have the the king. We'll be talking, and then it switches off to the maiden. The maiden will be talking. And, and, but if you study it out, you can kind of line it out and mark it out in your Bible. Uh, some Bibles, and y'all might have a Bible like this, some Bibles break it down for you and say the king talking, the maiden talking, and, it, and the bride talking. We need to remember that as a church, we're considered and called the bride of Christ. We're Christ's bride. And, and Paul says, I want to present you to... to, to to Jesus Christ, a, a chaste virgin, a virgin that had nothing, to, 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 nothing uh, that's wrong with her. I want to present you to Jesus Christ like that. So as a, as a church, here in this church and everywhere, anybody who's a born-again believer in Jesus Christ is the bride of Christ. And this whole book, Song of Solomon, talks about and, and, and leans towards Jesus Christ and His love for the Bride. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the wonderful, wonderful, amazing love that Jesus Christ has for each and every one of you. And it's an amazing and wonderful love. And I, I, can't, I can't describe that love, but we're going to do the best I can using the Song of Solomon. Look at chapter 2. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Now, who does that remind you of? That's the king talking. That's Jesus Christ. We sing it. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. I am the rose of Sharon. That's the title of Jesus Christ. And the lily of the valley. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. He said, this world is full of thorns and thistles, but you're just like a beautiful lily among all those thorns and thistles. That's how the king describes. That's how Jesus descri- Jesus Christ describes us as believers, us as his people. He describes us as lily among thorns. Now verse 3 switches out, and the maiden, the bride, starts talking back to her husband. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Amen. Guys, Jesus Christ, if he could have put a banner above your head, his banner was, I'm Jesus Christ, and I love this man or woman. It's a banner of love. Guys, you don't know how important that is. (laughs) Hey, amen. His banner over me was love. Heavenly Father, I just come to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us, Lord, when we're unlovable. Thank you for that amazing, wonderful love you have towards us, Father. I can't understand it. I can't explain it, Lord, but I know you love us and I can feel the love you have for us, Lord God, and for me, Lord, as, as I mess up, Lord, and I come to you and repent with a repent of heart, Lord God, and you show me that love and prayer, and Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, and I thank you for the witness of your Holy Spirit, Lord, and I pray, Father, this morning, if somebody's out there and they don't, have that feeling, Lord. They don't know the love of Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray, Father, they might find the love of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary, Lord God, and they might come and get saved and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I thank you again for loving us when we're unlovable. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. So the first thing we're going to find out there in verse 4 about the love of Jesus Christ for His people is, His banner over me was love. It's a public display of this love. Christ has a public display of His love toward you. Say, when did He publicly display His love for me? When He went to the cross and died on the cross for your sins. That's when He publicly displayed His love for you. There's no greater love a man has than to give his life for his friends. Amen. That's a great love right there. When He says, I love you enough to die for you. That's great love. See what the world doesn't get. Maybe some Christians don't understand. Jesus Christ didn't have to go. He was there and Pilate was trying to get him off and Jesus Christ said, I could have 12 legions of angels here right now. And just one angel killed 180,000 men in the Bible. One angel. He said, I could have 12 legions right here, right now. But that's not what I want. I want to go and I want to die for my friends. (laughs) I want to die for you and for you and for you and for you and for you. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. His banner over me was love. That's Jesus Christ. He gave gave and does give a display, a public display of His love. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, what makes this love so wonderful and amazing is you don't have to love Jesus Christ first. He's going to love you first. You don't have to say, well, I'm going to fall in love with Jesus, and then maybe he'll pay attention to me. No, Jesus shows up. He shows up in your life, and you might hate him. You might not want him, but he shows up to love on you, and he wants to love on you. It says in 1 John four nineteen, we love him because he first loved us. Amen. It's a public display. Now, I know some of y'all guys have been here married for a long time, but I know I, I, see, I see it in a lot of older couples. And it kind of makes me go, ah. But I see some older couples, and they'll be, you know, I said older. I didn't say old, older. And i see them out in public, and they'll be holding hands while they're walking up to the restaurant or whatever. And i see them go over there, and, and they'll give each other a kiss. And I'm like, ah. That's all we want to see. You know, y'all, y'all go somewhere. I mean, I've even joked around with my wife and said, I, I want to tell them, hey, y'all go get a hotel room, you know. This is love. It's a public display. They're not afraid to show everybody else. I love this person. We were, my wife and I were eating at Prima Pasta, and I told her, I said, "Man, look over there at that table right there. Wow, look at that over there." And I said, "I think that's his sister." They, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you why, but they did not go together. They did not. They did not look like they were a couple. Not one bit. I said that has to be a sister. And we're over there, and I told my wife, "I said, look over there. Look. And and and." Sure enough, she reaches over and kisses him on the mouth. I'm like, whoa, well, that, they're not sister and brothers. That's a public display. We're not in Arkansas, so I think they weren't brothers and sisters. It's a public display. They didn't look like they went together. But as soon as they showed that love, I'm like, they love each other. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful th- thing that Jesus Christ is not ashamed of you. He'll publicly display, I love him. I love her. I chose them. I chose her. I love them. That's that's what he says. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Amen. Look at at Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 7. Let me show you another thing about Jesus Christ's love for you. He loves you. If you get one message out out of this sermon this morning, if you get one thing, I want you to understand this. Jesus Christ loves you. And when we're in a world we're living in now where you don't see a lot of love, you don't feel a lot of love, and there's not a lot of love going on, that's a good thing to know that Jesus Christ loves me. And it's a wonderful love. Look at chapter 4, verse 7. Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. He doesn't see any of your flaws. (laughs) You think this, this woman here had flaws? Yeah, she admitted she had flaws back in chapter 1. But Christ, the king, he says, I see no spot in them. The second thing we need to know about Jesus Christ's wonderful and amazing love is it's blind. It's blind love. It's blind love. And I don't know about y'all, but that's the kind of love I need. I need somebody who will look past my flaws, look past, look past my iniquities, look past my sins, look past, past all the things I do wrong and say, you know what, I know he's this way and I know he's that way, but I love him. You see a blind love, you know the only place I see a blind love in the world today is in a mother and her son. The only perfect son, only perfect man I've ever met was a mother's son. You ever seen a mother how they are about their sons? They're just always... It's like the mother that was, she went to see her, her son graduate from basic training. You know how they get the soldiers, and the soldiers come out, and they're, they're doing their little march, you know, and they got their, they get their and they're, she's out there, and her son's out there marching, and she's watching him, and her son gets out of time, and her son's not in time with everybody else's march, and she says, look at that, look at that. My son's the only one that's marching in time. That's a, that's a, mother's, that's a mother's love. There's a man down in Brownwood, got caught for murder. They think he murdered more than one person, but they only caught, it. They caught him for one. Had the DNA evidence, he's dead to rights. His mother, to the very last minute before he got executed, said he was innocent. Why? She has a love. You know what the Bible says about that kind of love? It says this, love covereth all sins. That's the kind of love Jesus Christ has for you. Love covereth all sins. What's God, what's God do with Jesus Christ? When you get saved, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He shed His blood for all your sins. Not just the sins you have did up until you got saved. For all your sins you're going to do until you go on to be with the Lord. All your sins are washed away by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. How do you explain that? You can't. There's only one word that helps explain that. Love. Love. Love covereth all sins. That's Proverbs ten twelve. Proverbs seventeen nine. He that covereth a transgression, seeketh love. Jesus Christ covers all your sins with His precious blood for one reason, because He wants to love you. He wants to show you that He loves you. It's a blind love. It's a wonderful love. It says there that, it says there in uh, we see verse seven. Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. What's interesting about that is if you turn to Ephesians 5, don't do it. But in Ephesians 5, when Paul's talking about husbands and loving the wives, he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot. That that verse up there speaks directly to the love Jesus Christ has for his bride. And the love he has for each and every one of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ. Guys, he loves you. He really loves you. It's a blind love. See, when we see somebody, we might see, a, we might see somebody real deep in sin. They might be dirty and nasty. and may have a, They might be tattooed from the top of their head to the bottom. And we just see them and we're like, man, that person has no hope. And we, we see the ugliness because we're living in the flesh. We see the ugliness of the flesh. But Jesus Christ sees the beauty of their soul. I was telling somebody the other day that uh, at work I was telling somebody the other day I was when I was uh, still able to go into the prisons with Brother Henry we had a, we we would preach and then what we'd do we'd have a after the preaching that the the men would come up and they'd have an altar call and I had one of the men come up and he had his eye his eyebrows were tattooed right here he had makeup. Tattooed all over. He, he had all these weird tattoos on his face. He came up and he said, I was a practice, practicing homosexual, but Jesus Christ saved me and delivered me from that. And I'm, I'm trying to live the right kind of life. Please, please pray for me. And he was in tears, just tears streaming down his face. Guys, this guy was one of the ugliest men I've ever seen in my life those tattoos all over his face and just ugly. But when he came up to me and he had those tears trimming down and he said, Jesus Christ saved me and I'm trying to live the right kind of life, my heart felt for that guy. Whereas I would have been like, ooh, get away from me. Jesus Christ says, I love you, come here. And had done that to him. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not that Jesus Christ is going to. He had done that to him. And that's why he was crying. He's crying because Jesus Christ had shown him love when he had found no love. In his lifestyle, and the lifestyle he is living, he did not find the love that he could find in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. It's a blind love, and I'm thankful for that. Very thankful. Look at Song of Solomon chapter 1. Let's go back to chapter 1, verse 2. This love is enduring, brothers and sisters. This love of Jesus Christ is not just for a little while, it's enduring. It's enduring. Verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2. And this is the of course this is the, the, the maiden and the bride she's talking about her husband to be Solomon. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. There's some drunks that would say that. There's some drunks that would say Jesus Christ is better than a beer. The love of Jesus Christ is better than than taking a drink. The love of Jesus Christ is better than taking that that narcotic drug. The love of Jesus Christ is better than my lifestyle I was living. The the love of Jesus Christ is better than anything you can ask for. The love of Jesus Christ is better than wine. Because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. It's that name. Thy name is as ointment. That name, the name of Jesus Christ The name, when you hear the name of Jesus Christ, there's something in you that rises up and says, oh yeah, oh yeah, I love that guy. Look at verse four. Draw me, draw me. We will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. Hey, the upright love thee. Man, there's a love that we have for Jesus Christ that endures, but first and foremost, the love Jesus Christ has for us endures forever. It's an enduring love. Look at chapter 2, verse 14. Look at chapter 2, verse 14. I'm showing you that the love that Jesus Christ has for you is enduring. Chapter 2, verse 14. Oh, my dove. This is the king speaking. Oh, my dove that art in the clefts of the rock. Are you in the cleft of the rock? The Bible says Jesus Christ is that rock. Have you put your soul into the cleft of that rock that can't be moved, that the winds and the storms can't get? He says that maiden, she's in the cleft of the rock. You need to be in the cleft of the rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. Look, in the secret places of the stairs. Are you on the stairway to heaven? Are you in the secret place, the stairway to heaven? She's a, in the cleft of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance, He wants to see her. Do you know that Jesus Christ wants to see you? You know what Jesus Christ said in chapter 14 of John? He says, I go to prepare a place for you so where I'm at you may be also. Jesus Christ's desire is to be with you. Isn't that amazing? Because I don't want to be with me half the time, but He wants to be with me. He wants to be with each and every one of you. He loves you. Look at this. Let me hear Thy voice. For sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is commonly. Good looking. He says, I want to hear your voice. Do you know that Jesus Christ loves to hear from you? Jesus Christ loves to hear your prayers? you know that Jesus Christ's desire is to hear from you? Let me hear thy voice, and for sweet is thy voice. Jesus Christ loves you enough, he wants to hear from you. I'll tell you something, to be honest with you. Man, I almost died when me and my wife were, were dating. I don't know how, I look back at that, I don't know how we survived. We would stay on the phone to like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Am I telling on something I'm going to get in trouble for today? We would stay on the phone like, I mean, I had to go to work the next day. Be like, and I, and we, we talk about, we talk about this, what in the world were we talking about? To 2 o'clock in the morning. Me and my wife, we don't say two words to each other now until 10 o'clock in the afternoon. And we're like, okay. I, mean, I don't know what we were talking about. What were we talking about? I just wanted to hear her voice. I loved her. And she loved me. And guys, when you're in love, that's the kind of crazy stuff you do, amen? I've seen some men, I've seen some six foot five, big old bulking men, get up and they start singing songs to Jesus Christ and see the tears come down their eyes. A six foot five guy loving another man like that. (laughs) See, the, the world doesn't understand us. They don't understand that I have a greater love for a man than I have for my own wife. They just don't know that that man is Jesus Christ. And I want my wife to love him more than she loves me. Because I know if my wife has a greater love for Jesus Christ than she does for me, she'll be a whole lot better wife. And she knows if I have a greater love for Jesus Christ than I have for her, I'm going to be a whole lot better husband. And if you don't get that, you need to pray about it. That's the love of Jesus Christ. And He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your voice. Look at, uh, look at verse 16. Same chapter, chapter 2, verse 16. My beloved is mine, and I am his... He feedeth among the lilies. We own each other. Amen. Jesus Christ says, you belong to me and I belong to you. I'm yours, you're mine. That's a love. Amen, that's what we do when we're courting, right? We find the woman we love, and it's like, man, I want her. and I want her to know that I'm hers. Amen, that's what Christ is saying there. And that's what the maiden is saying. My beloved is mine. He's no one else's. He's mine. There's this secret love that a Christian has and it's a companionship, it's a fellowship with Jesus Christ. It's hard to describe, but that love that Jesus Christ will just pour into your heart when you need it. Man, you can't buy that love. You can't buy it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And as Christians, sometimes we start forgetting about it. And we start taking it for granted. Look at chapter 7, verse 10. Chapter 7, verse 10. Chapter 7, verse 10, A Song of Solomon. This is a very important one. The maiden says about the king, she says, I am my beloved's, we know that, and his desire is toward me. So this isn't just a one-way street of love. This isn't just like, well, I really, really love Jesus Christ, and He only loves... No, His desires towards me. He wants to please me. He wants to do those things that make me happy. He wants to make sure that I'm okay. He cares about what I want. See, Jesus Christ's love is so great for you. He says, I love you, and I know you love me, but what do you want? I want to try to make you happy. Whatever you desire, that's what I want you to have. Don't we do that for the ones we love? When we have a loved one and we know that loved one wants something really bad, don't we try to try to see what we can do to get what that what that is that they want? I mean, we're all like that. Jesus Christ is like that to us. We have desires in this world, like Lord, I really would really, really would like a new car. Or I like this or whatever it is. It might not even be a it might not even be a need. It's a want, and the Lord will desire is toward me. He wants to help you out. It, it's. Guys, I I I can go on and on all morning, but this is a wonderful love. You can't buy it. You can't purchase it. It's a love that I found in Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 8, verse 6. Look at chapter 8, verse 6. I'm I'm showing you that Jesus' love is enduring. It's everlasting. It's never going to end. Look at chapter 8, verse 6. He says... Or she says, Set me as a seal upon thy heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as a grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. He's talking about the flame of love, that this love is like a fire. It's a burning fire. But it says there in verse 6, Set me as a seal upon thy heart. Sealed up. Guys, we want the person we love's heart to be with us. We want that heart. Amen. We don't want that person that we, we love, we fall in love with somebody, and we're like, we want their heart to be towards us because our heart's so much for them. We, otherwise, we, I love you with all my heart is what we say. And we want them to say, I love you with all my heart. I don't love you and also love John, Dick, and Harry. Amen? We don't want a wife to say, yeah, I love you, and I love John and Dick and Harry. No, I just love you. With all my heart, and set a seal upon my heart. You know that the Bible says that we're sealed into the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit? That whenever you would take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that at that moment the Bible says that you're sealed into the day of redemption. day that this body's redeemed. That's the kind of love that Jesus Christ has for us. And it says, set a seal upon thine heart, verse 6, and a seal upon thine arm. See, it's a sign. It's not just something on the inward side. It's a sign on the outward side. What do we do when we're recording, when we're dating? We fell in in love with the one we love? What do do us men do? We went out and we bought a ring, and we said we want to put a ring on that finger. Why? To show all the other men, this one's taken. This one belongs to me. And we want her to say, I will wear your ring. That's that seal upon that arm. That's what Jesus Christ does for us. He puts that seal on us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and dwells with us. You know what that tells the world? It tells the spiritual world when the devil comes along, he says, that's one of those that Jesus loves. That's another one of those that Jesus loves. See the seal on there? That's another one. That's why you get attacked spiritually all the time. Why is the devil after me? Well, the devil's after me because he's jealous of you because Jesus Christ loves you with a great and powerful love. Don't forget that. It's so easy to forget it. We kind of walk around, it's like, man, we're living in the world, bad things happen here, bad things, because of sin. And we forget, you know what? Jesus really loves me. And, and you can't buy that love. Look, look, at verse, look at verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown it out. Drown it. If a man would give all that the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. If you give everything you have for love, it wouldn't matter. It's all about love. It'd be worth it. It'd be worth every penny of it. And you can't put out, you could bring up a bunch of, uh, the whole flood of water to try to drown out that flame of love. It doesn't drown it out. Not with Jesus Christ. This is that kind of love, guys. You want to know what the equivalent of that is? Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, your present sins nor things to come, your future sins, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. In the world we're living in today, we need love. The world needs love. And we need to tell the world, hey, Jesus Christ loves you. Well, how do I know that? He died for you. He made a public display of it. He died for your sins. No greater love can a man show than he gives his life for his friends. Song of Solomon chapter 5. Now we're going to get into some of the stuff that happens in this love. Song of Solomon chapter 5 verse 2. Song of Solomon chapter 5 verse 2. Got to honestly, honestly to lose this fellowship of love with Jesus Christ, you'll want to get it back. And I'm about to show that to you. If you ever lose this fellowship of love, you ever get off, start living for yourself, living for the world, and you start getting away from the love of Jesus Christ, you'll wake up one day and say, man, I need to get that back. Verse 2, I sleep. Now this is the woman talking. This is the maiden. She says, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh. Jesus is knocking on the door. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled for my head is filled with dew, and my locks with the drops of the night. It's beautiful. Comes in. he got the dew on him. He says, open up, baby. Open up. Look at verse 3. She makes a mistake. She says, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? She hesitates. She's afraid. She's making excuses. She's, he comes in, he says, I really want to see you. Open up. I really, my heart's for you. I really want to see you. And she's like, Well, I just got into bed. I just put on my, I don't want to get my feet dirty. I don't want to get my clothes. I just took my clothes off. I don't want to have to get up and I had to open up the door for you. She hesitates. She's afraid. Verse 4 My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels moved for him. That's, the bowels will be your inner, the inside of, your, inside of you, the bowels, the hollow part of inside of you, like your heart. Verse 5, I rose up to open to my beloved. She rises up to go open the door for the king and my hands drop with myrrh and my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the locks. So she's ready. She's beautiful. Verse 6, I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I called, could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Boy, that's up. That's a very sad thing when you lose that fellowship with Jesus Christ. And I've been there. You start living out in the world, you start getting away from the, getting away from going to church, getting away from the Bible, getting away from praying. You just don't have any fellowship with him. And there'll be times where he'll knock on the door of your heart and you're just like, man, I'm just not ready to go back to church. I'm not ready to do this. I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to pray. You know, you just have, kind of, you know how it is? We all get this way. And then one day we look around and we're like, where is he at? And he's withdrawn himself, but my beloved hath withdrawn himself. Jesus Christ has feelings. Jesus Christ has feelings. He's not just some pie-in-the-sky idea. He's he's, he's got character. He's the son of man, the son of God. He can have his feelings hurt. He can change his mind. He can do... It, 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 he loves you with all his heart, but if you're going to withdraw, if you're going to do things that's not make it, that doesn't make him happy, you're going to live a life that doesn't make him happy, that doesn't mean he has to hang around. He still loves you. He still wants you. But he's going to withdraw himself. And I'm telling you, when he withdraws himself, you're going to be like her. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. You're going to be wondering where he's at. You're going to be wanting that love back. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you've lost that love, you feel like you don't feel that love from Jesus Christ, you need to get down on your knees, you need to repent, you need to say, Lord, please come back. I I love you. I know your love is amazing. Whatever I'm doing to to cause you to withdraw yourself, please, Lord, forgive me for it. I repent of it. Guys, because the love of Jesus Christ is worth every bit of that. I've been on both sides of the fence. It's miserable. It's miserable to live like that. We do something that makes Jesus Christ feel unwelcome. You know, Jesus Christ set up his own church in Revelation 2, 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Talking about the love of Jesus Christ. I just told a dear friend of mine just a couple of days ago, he was, he's living out in the world. He hadn't been going to church, hadn't been doing anything for Jesus Christ. He was miserable, he was depressed, he didn't feel good. And I said, hey, the only advice I can give you is the, the advice that was given me. Just fall back in love with Jesus Christ. Go back to your first love. And you'll be a lot happier. And I'm praying that I'm praying that he will. I'm praying that he will. Look at uh, look at chapter the so- Song of Solomon chapter five. Uh, look at verse eight. Same same verses. Skip down to verse eight. This is what the maiden says to the daughters of Jerusalem. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him that I am sick of love. Love sick. She says, "Man, I'm love sick." I. Hey, brothers, y'all know how this is. They call it being bit. The love bug, amen? When, you, when the love bug hits a man, I guess it hits a woman too, but I've seen it with men a lot more because I've been, <laughs> I guess I've been around men, but I've seen men, they, they find some woman, like, I love her. I, I, I got to ask her out on a date. I gotta, and they're just, they just lovesick. They can't sleep. They can't think. They, they got to go ask her. They got to go talk to her. That's just and She's saying, I'm sick of love. I'm just sick in love. I'm lovesick. Look at verse 9. So you're going to have people ask you this. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? That's what the daughters of Jerusalem ask you. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? O thou fairest among women. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? That thou dost so charge us. What's so special about Jesus? What makes Jesus... The love of Jesus is more special than the love of Muhammad, or the love of Buddha, or the love of whatever religion you're in, or whatever whatever person you worship. I and mean, what makes Jesus Christ love anybody? You need to be able to answer that. First off, the way I'd answer to anybody to ask me about Muhammad, I said, what, how did, where did Muhammad show you that he loved you? Ever? <laughs> I don't see that anywhere. Or Buddha. See, that's what makes Jesus Christ special is he shows you that he loves you. He didn't just talk about it. And we know we've had people that tell us, oh, I love you. And then they turn around and stab us in the back. But it's those people that show you they love you. Amen? Man, when I was sick, and I was sicker than a dog. When I had COVID, and I was sicker than a dog. Man, I, shown people, I had people doing stuff for me physically that were showing love for me that was embarrassing. It embarrassed me. I was ashamed. I was like, man, don't do that. It's, it, it's, it's so humbling. Amen? That people show you that much love. Jesus Christ is the answer. You should always be ready to give an answer for why you love Jesus Christ so much. Can you? Can you give an answer to that? Her answer is found in verse 16. She goes on to describe to them, but for time's sake, skip down to verse 16. For time's sake. His mouth is most sweet, yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. She says, the first reason why I love you so much is because he's altogether lovely. That's my answer to anybody. Why is Jesus so special? Because there's nothing not special about him. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Why is he so, why is he so wonderful? Because there's nothing not wonderful about him. Why is he so amazing? Because there's nothing not amazing about him. Everything about him is amazing, wonderful, and lovely. He's altogether lovely. This is my beloved. Look, and this is my friend. And this is my friend. The best kind of relationship, love relationship you can be in is a love relationship with your spouse that she's not only your lover, she's your friend. Amen? Or vice versa. He's your love and he's your friend. And that's what she says. Not only does Jesus Christ love you, he's a friend. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Last one. Last one, guys. Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 8. I'll show you one last thing. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. The wonderful love of Jesus for his bride, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8. I'll say this. Jesus loves you enough to come take you out of this rotten, wicked world. Jesus loves you enough that he co- he's going to come take you out of this rot- rotten, wicked world. And that's, what I, that's, what I, that's one of the main things about Jesus Christ's love that's so amazing is that he's willing to come take us out, not leave us down here. And that's what we're all praying for. Lord, just come rapture us out, come take us out. And that's what this verses are from our verses 18, I mean, verses 8 to verse 13. That's the rapture. Look, verse 8 the voice of my beloved, talking about the king. Behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, when he comes down, he's going to come down in the clouds to rapture us out of here, to call us out. He's going to come leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. See, this isn't Solomon. This is Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. So what this is, is, this is a secret encounter. This is Jesus Christ coming down through the clouds and secretly, when nobody knows it, he's looking through the lattice. He's looking through the windows. Nobody else knows it. It's just between him and his bride, the church. That's the rapture. Look what he says to her. Verse 10. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Oh, I can't wait for those words. I can't wait for that day when we hear that shout, there's a trumpet, and we come up hither, and you will hear Jesus Christ say, come on up, I love you guys. Come on up. Rise up, not go down, rise up. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth. That's springtime. That's why so many preachers think that the rapture is going to be in springtime. That's when the Holy Spirit came down at the day of Pentecost. We think the Holy Spirit is going to leave at the day of Pentecost around springtime, April, May, right in there. The time of the singing of the birds has come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. That's not ninja turtle. That's turtle dove. That's That's a turtle dove, like a bird. Verse 13, the fig tree put forth her green figs, and the vines and the tender grape give a good smell arise, my love, arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Woo! That's what I want. I want Jesus Christ to come down and say, okay, I got all the mansions ready up in heaven. Come on down. You coming with me. Let's rise up. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Bye-bye. You can have it. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye, COVID. Bye-bye, vaccine mandates. Bye-bye. Y'all can have it. I'm out of here. Praise the Lord. That's how much he loves you. He comes and he's going to come get you out of this mess. I want to show y'all one more thing. I know we're running out of time, but look at Matthew twenty-four. Said the fig tree put forth her green figs. Matthew twenty-four. That goes directly to what Jesus Christ said to his disciples in Matthew twenty-four, verse thirty-two. Matthew twenty-four, verse. I'll give you some give you some prophecy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's why the Bible's so amazing. There's the fig tree putting forth her green figs, verse 13. Now look at Matthew 24, 32. He says now, he said, well look at verse 31. Here's the context. He shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. There it is, they're gathering them up. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. We just read about that. When his branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know the summer is nigh. That fig tree in in the Bible is Israel. When did Israel start blooming again? 1948. So likewise, ye, when ye shall see all these things, fig tree planting, all the fig tree coming forth, know that it is near even at the doors. When 1948 took place, we know that the time of Jesus Christ is coming near. Verily I say unto you, this generation, 1948, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Hey, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Guys, when 1948 took place, Israel became a nation again. We started budding forth. We started putting out leaves. Guys, that was the greatest sign that Jesus Christ is about to come back. He said, this generation, that 1948 generation, 70 years of that generation was 2018. Guys, we're just right there. upon him